We all see it, pro or college athletes pointing to the sky or giving God the glory in a post-game interview. What does that really mean to give God the glory? I'm George Rath with Air One. Brian Smith is social media director for the ministry Athletes in Action, as well as campus director at University of Wisconsin-Madison. And now he's an author. His book, The Assist, a gospel-centered guide to glorifying God through sports, encourages athletes to put God first, even in their sport. So, Brian, glorifying God or giving God the glory, as a spectator, we all see the athletes attempt to either with a gesture or verbally proclaim God's glory. And sometimes we can believe that they are glorifying God with a point to the sky in that moment. And and maybe some are. But let's mm-hmm. talk about glorifying God as you have given it a definition. And that was kind of the, the genesis that led me to writing this book was I, I had witnessed exactly what you just said. So I've been playing sports since I was 10 years old. I've also been in Christian environments. I've seen Christian athletes everywhere. And it just became this curiosity in me that as athletes are saying, all glory to God, and I just want to glorify God. They're pointing up to the heavens after they do something great. And it just got me, first of all, it got me thinking in my own heart, like what does that actually mean on a, on a practical level. And so one of my jobs on the on the campus at University of Wisconsin is I disciple the Badger athletes. And I got a chance to interact with many athletes as I was discovering this um, and just ask the question. So when you say you want to give glory to God, what does that actually mean? Like practically speaking, what are you trying to do or what are you actually giving him? And so the, the generic answer that usually came back was, I'm just trying to give 100% and I want to give him the credit. And as I began to process that, I was just thinking, man, there's Glory is such a huge concept. There's got to be something more that we can be doing as athletes to, and I don't want to use the word give to God because we're not actually giving him anything, but there's got to be more to this concept of glory that he is actually after through our sport. And so that kind of led me to writing this book. Um, I identified what it actually means to, to give glory to God. The definition that I gave to it is that as an athlete, you bring glory to God when you think and act in a way that pleases God and draws attention to who he is. And so I just thought, like, right out of the bat, that's important that we understand what are we actually doing with this word glory, and then the book kind of gives theological and practical answers after that. I think we can all fall into one category or another when it, when it comes to watching those post-game interviews when an athlete verbalizes, you know, all glory to God, and thanking their personal Savior, Jesus Christ. And we either, I think, appreciate his or her profession of faith, or mm-hmm. we can see the cliche in it all. Yeah, that's that's hard for me because I'm contrarian by nature. And so when people say thing, things that are universally accepted or universally cherished or thought highly of, especially in the Christian community, that nobody wants to, to question that, my natural bent is to go like, oh, I, I wonder what they actually mean by that. Or maybe they actually don't know what they don't know what they mean and so that i mean you you hit the nail on the head there i've just found that a lot of people say it because they know that they should say it and i believe that the majority of them their motives are right and pure and they really do want to glorify god but ultimately they're just saying a rehearsed cliche line because that's what they know they're they're supposed to say and so i say that not accusing people but just based on experience of working with athletes my entire life that it's just a concept that we don't we don't talk about enough. It's a cliche phrase that we throw around because we know we should say it, but I think very few athletes have done the hard work of actually figuring out what it means behind what they're trying to say. You say there are dangers in publicly using words or phrases. 
we don't necessarily understand completely. Is is glorify one of those words? <laughs> I was reading in Isaiah 1, and it's pretty clear that the people of God are, are going through the motion. They're, they're sacrificing lambs and bulls, and they're doing new moons and new Sabbaths festivals, and they're, they're doing, quote-unquote, all of the right and correct things that have historically been done. But God says, and it's in either Isaiah 1, 13 or 14, but he says, my, my soul hates this. And I read that, and I was like, oh, my goodness. That, like, how can these people be doing something that historically and traditionally has been good? But God looks at it, and he says, man, I just do not like that. And he goes extreme. He says, my soul hates that. And so with anything, reading the Bible, like there's this my pastor says it this way, that the Bible is not written to us, but it's written for us. And so the challenge is, like, how can I, as a 21st century believer, read the Bible, trying to put on original audience eyes, but with present-day application? And so for me, my present-day application was sports. It's like, man, what am I, what am I doing in the arena of sports? And what, what do I see athletes that I work with doing in the arena of sports that traditionally has been accepted in the Christian realm, which maybe deserves some questioning and some some mining, and the word glory kept popping up in my head. And yeah, that was kind of the genesis of that. It's like, man, I really hope that's not true, that when God hears athletes say, all glory to him, that he's not saying, man, I, I'm not a fan of that because your heart posture is not in the right spot. One of the ways that athletes can visibly, I guess, show their faith is with tattoos. I've seen a number of tattoos on the arm um, that either have the cross or they have actual face of Jesus. In the book, you say there's one tattoo that you have never seen but would like to. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I always go extreme with, with everything like this. I try to look at what culture is doing and give a, a flip perspective. And so the, the tattoo that I would love to see on, on some of our athletes is that of a sheep. <laughs> and so I say that because that's how we are identified as, as the people of God in the Bible is sheep without a shepherd or sheep with, with a shepherd, but we're still identified as sheep. And I think, man, it, more than any other profession, like athletes need to have a right perspective of who they are before God. And it can be, I was the same way. I was an athlete once, this inflated view of self, whereas the world continues to put us on a pedestal and give us a cultural microphone where people actually care what athletes have to say it can be very easy for us to buy into the hype as athletes of what the, the world has to say about us. But the Bible continues to hit on this theme over and over again that, that we're just sheep, like we are essentially dumb, directionless, and, and need help to do the most basic things. And so it, I, I put that in there as an extreme example just to help athletes realize, like at the end of the day, we need God for absolutely everything. And while we as athletes may look self-sufficient and be celebrated by world standards, I mean, in God's eyes, we, we are dependent on him for absolutely everything we do, and we need him. Sheep need to realize that more than anyone else, that without a shepherd, they're, they're defenseless. They're done. And, and their prey, their, their enemy is always wanting to attack and, and <laughs> devour them, and, and we have an enemy as well. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I, I heard a, a pastor say one time that, that sheep are prey to absolutely everything. Like there is, they're the absolute bottom of the food chain. There, there's nothing that sheep go after that's afraid of them. I want to um, talk about the terms pride and humble. I mean, it's easy for athletes, especially the successful ones, to become prideful. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I can I can confess to being that at one point in my life, but it can take effort to remain humble. 
And you have seven habits of humble athletes. Yeah, you probably don't want me to go through every single habit of a, a humble athlete <laughs> at this point, but um, to be a humble athlete, it's kind of like a, a muscle that needs to be consistently strengthened. So I say that humility is a muscle that gets stronger if we consistently give it attention and push it beyond its level of comfort. What I did in the book is I tried to give seven different categories that athletes can look at and begin to practice working out this muscle of humility. Because you said, like, it's, it can be a very hard line between what it looks like to be prideful and humble, but it's not just a heart posture. It's actually something that we need to begin to put into practice. And so one of the things I, I put in there was that humble athletes just take time to, to soak in the moment. And so there's this great appreciation for what they're about to walk into, that it's unique, that not everybody in the world gets to do what they do. And so it, it takes a humble athlete to just step back and say, wow, God, I appreciate that you've given me the ability to do this. And I'm walking into this, this environment with a grateful heart and excited to see what happens. So I think that's one of the seven things that I give in the book that I think is important. It takes focus. The first time I heard the word focal point, uh, my wife and I were in Lama's class getting ready for the birth of our first child. And it was to take her mind off the pain, off of her, if you will. Now, there's a place for Christian athletes to have a focal point as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And so this is the challenging thing for athletes is that in the midst of practice and competition, athletes are thinking about practice and competition. They're they're not thinking about God. And and even if they're trying to, it's like when in a football game, how do you how do you incorporate God into a, the game of football? And so one of the concepts that it's actually the ministry that I work with athletes in action, I believe it it comes from them, this idea of a, a focal point. This drawing your attention back to to God and things of his nature, so you're continually reminded that he's involved in the process, that he's not just a passive spectator in the stands, but that he's with you in the actual practice and competition. And so focal point is just something that during practice or competition reminds you to to think about God and what he wants from you in this moment. And so this looks different for for every athlete. So a a golfer's focal point is probably going to be different than a football player, like in the actual competition, the football player should not be looking at a, let's say if it's a cross that he drew on a shoe, he should probably not be looking at a cross on a shoe in the middle of a defensive set when the offensive guys are coming at him. But it's appropriate during a timeout or in between quarters or at halftime as he looks down at his shoe to tie it, see that cross, it's his focal point, redirect his attention back to God, maybe say a little bit of a little prayer saying, God, would you, would you be with me in this moment and help me to play for your glory and nobody else's? A golfer is going to be different. Like they, they can have every single one of their clubs be their focal point, that every time they go and grab the club right before they swing, they're including God in that process. And so it, it differs from athlete to athlete, sport to sport, but the concept is pick something within your sport, maybe it's on your uniform or in the, the realm of competition that you're going to see consistently and attach that to some truth that you want to remember about God. And then when you see it, just, just begin practicing rehearsing it. Is it okay to pray for uh, victory and for success? <laughs> Yes, I, I I think this is one of those questions that we have been hesitant to answer as a as a Christian community. But I decided to, like most things in the book, take a stand on it, and I said absolutely yes. I think it's okay to pray to God, and I gave a couple of reasons for it. One is I think the very again. So this is this is I think this is what Brian thinks. I'm not saying this is absolutely what you should do, but I think that the act of praying to God and saying God, would you help me win? is in and of itself glorifying to him because you're saying, I cannot do this on my own. And so anytime we're coming to God and we're saying, 
God, can you help me with X, Y, or Z? We're saying there's a gap between what I can do and what you can do, and I need you to step in and fill that gap. Uh, but then, too, there's this incredible quote by this guy, uh, priest and theologian, his name's Herbert McCabe, and, and at the bottom end is a quote. He says, when as honestly as you can speak to God of your desires, very gently and tactfully, he will often reveal to you that, in fact, you have deeper and more mature desires. But there's only one way to find this out, to start from where you are. And I love that quote because what he's saying is come to God honestly. Like just t- he, he already knows, so tell him exactly what you want and what he will begin to do, what he will begin to mature in your heart is this idea that you actually want more and something greater than what you're a- actually asking for. But it's only going to be through that process of starting where you're at. And so I, just, I had to email a guy who pushed back on this concept a couple of weeks ago. Like I admitted to him point blank, to pray for a victory probably is one of the more petty prayers out there. But I think what God begins to do through that is he helps us realize, okay, one, it probably is a small in the grand scheme of things to pray for a win. But what hopefully he begins to do is, is ask in our hearts, okay, why do you want this? Why do you want this win so bad? Why do you keep praying for the same thing over and over again? And for an athlete's perspective, really what ultimately athletes want is contentment. And they're thinking that win can get them there. God may give them the win just to prove that contentment can never be found in a win. And so I say, (laughs) yes, absolutely pray for it. God knows where you're at. He wants you to start with where you're at. But be prepared that he may change those desires as you keep praying the same thing. I want you to take your athlete hat off for just a second. Because I think almost everything we're talking about, about athletes on the field and off, can also pertain to anybody in the workplace, at school, or anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm thinking athletes, I'm going to take it off in a second, I promise. My, okay. <laughs> when I read the Bible, when I'm thinking, okay, how can I and the people that I work with begin to live this out? athletics and sports is their context. For my, so my dad's been an electrician for 40 years. One of the things he needs to do as he reads the Bible is begin to apply what he's reading within the context of where he spends, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. And that's, that's working with electrical work, working in the, the building that he's in, his employers. And so his job is to take what he's reading in scripture and the truths that he's learning and the, maybe the hardships that he's dealing with at work and begin to apply that in his given field. My mom worked as a secretary for an elementary school for 20 years. And so the same challenge applied for her is like, how can you take the truth from Scripture and begin to apply it into the context of, okay, now she's dealing with parents and, and little kids. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, these, these concepts can be applied absolutely anywhere. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure that gets touched on? I think if I could say one thing to athletes who would profess to be Christians— is I would encourage them to do the, and it really is hard work, but do the hard work of thinking through what does it look like to begin to include God in every aspect of their life as an athlete. I say that for, for the listener who doesn't understand athletes, especially at the college level, from the time they wake up into the time they go to bed, their schedule is usually spoken for by school administrators, teachers, coaches, all their time is spoken for. And it can be very easy to continue to just go through the motions and to, to try to fit God into a tiny 15-minute box in the morning or at night where maybe they're, they're trying to get their prayer time in or read the Bible. And it can become very easy for athletes to begin to categorize God as just another small part of their day. And, and God wants the entire 
part of their day. He wants the entire part of their week, the entire part of their month. And he's promised that there's joy in the midst of that. And so I would love for athletes listening to understand that there is, there's joy by including God in absolutely everything you do. But it, it does take work to figure out, okay, what does it look like practically to begin to incorporate him into my everyday life as an athlete? Because I think sometimes we just need someone to say, here are five things that I think you can do at practice to, to glorify God and bring him into the midst of it. Here are five things that I think you can do after a loss to, to begin to think about God and incorporate him into the process. So that's why I wrote the book. The book is The Assist, a gospel-centered guide to glorifying God through sports. My thanks to Brian Smith with Athletes in Action. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, George. Appreciate it.